Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. In this week's episode of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf, we look back at Patrick Reed's controversial victory at the Farmers Insurance Open. Winning by five shots, he was no doubt the best player at Torrey Pines. But much of the conversation, of course, remains on what transpired in the rough during the third round. We'll break it all down with our man Rex Hogger, who is one of the few reporters on site in San Diego. But first, a note about the guy who tied for seventh. John Rahm not only switched to Callaway equipment this year, but also to Travis Matthew for his apparel. Here's a sneak peek at what he'll be wearing this week in Scottsdale. Travis Matthew will have Rom in the Panning for Gold polo, which is featured in their Arizona Destinations collection. On the shirt, you will find small, all-over designs of cacti, yucca plants, and the Arizona flag. A perfect shirt to start the week for an alumni of Arizona State and a current Arizona resident. The rest of the week, will see him in their heater polo, which is designed with Travis Matthews' prestige pure performance fabrications. The heater polos are super lightweight with enhanced stretch to keep John feeling good and playing good in the desert. You may not play golf like John and Rom, but there is no reason not to be as stylish off the golf course. All right, so let's bring in Rex. And Rex, you're reporting on air and online for us at Torrey Pines. You're fresh off a of red eye, so you're probably a little bit groggier than usual. Uh, but let's go back to Saturday, which is when this tournament was really turned on its head. Patrick Reed, he's up by four shots at the time, looking like a little bit of a snooze fest. And then his bunker shot in the 10th hole drifted left into the rough. Give us the scene. Where were you at that point? And how did you begin trying to piece this story together? Well, wait, I had just walked into the media center. We had followed and, and with Patrick on the front nine just to get an idea of, you know, the, what we do. It's what you and I do, right? So we usually watch, walk the first nine holes just to kind of get a feeling of how the day is going. So we're – I've actually just gotten back to the media center, me and one other reporter. And uh, and y'all, you could tell immediately. I mean, we've been through this a thousand times, right? We've all been sitting in media centers or walking golf courses, and we've seen a rule situation that immediately – the radars go off. There's inter- internal concern. Something just doesn't look right. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And and we'll get into this. Of course, this has everything to do with Patrick Reed. Because, of course, the opposite end of this spectrum is that the exact same thing happened to Roy McIlroy in the 18th hole. And virtually no one noticed until the very next day when that video surfaced. And so what this boils down to is Patrick is always going to be under a brighter spotlight. And this is an example of what he's going to have to go through his entire career because anyone else, anyone else would have been in that situation, decided that their ball was embedded 
decided to call in the rules official, which he did not have to do under the rules of golf, by the way, would have done the exact same thing and no one would have even cared. This was interesting because they had video footage of the ball hitting the rough, his second shot from a bunker, hitting the rough and bouncing. And suddenly the question comes up, how in the world can a ball embed if it hits, bounces, and comes to rest in another spot? That's okay, so I want to so I I touch on that. A lot to unpack here. Because you were you're walking the golf course. How, how soggy was the rough? I mean, how, how feasible? We saw it happen twice in one round. You never would have thought that a, a golf ball, which is incredibly like just one or two ounces, can actually plug after bouncing in what is three to four inch rough. How uh, soggy it, was the golf course and susceptible to even the situation happening? The, the rough was soggy. The, I mean, the ground was soggy. We talked about this last Monday on the podcast and then the Monday before. It was weird weather week. And on Monday, I drove through snow. I got hailed on on Monday. I got hailed on again, I think, on Thursday or Friday, uh, you know, trying to interview Tony Finau. It was a weird weather week. And so the golf course was soggy. The idea that it could have embedded on the bounce. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I can't, you know, maybe we should bring Bryson in to try to explain this. But it seems to me that it's, it's physics, certainly. man. It is. It's, it's simple physics. Um, but what, what, there's a couple of things. So just to get right to the, the gist of it, because I think everyone has seen it or has a general understanding. One, this doesn't happen if it's another player. We can all agree with that. Like Patrick Reed has come by a reputation. He wears the black hat. He wears it proudly. And this is of his own accord. He built this on his own. Number two, it opens up an interesting conversation about video and the rules of golf. And I can tell you, as a colleague, that I spent all of Sunday trying to piece together exactly why. And here's the example that I would give you. A week, a week earlier, a player was disqualified from the Palm Springs event because they found out the next day via video that he had taken an inc incorrect drop. All right? Mm -hmm. In this particular situation, even with the PGA Tour rules official in the CBS booth live during the telecast, which is new, which I think is very good, and Ken Tackett is the official, and he's very good, and everyone respects him, even with an official in the booth who watched the replay and saw the ball bounce. My question is, and I've never gotten a good answer, why didn't Ken reach out to the rules official on the ground and tell him that, hey, whatever's going to happen here with your ruling, just know the ball did bounce. Because Patrick and everyone else was operating under the assumption, according to the volunteer who had been standing there and the other players and the other caddies in the group, that the ball did not bounce. Therefore, it's relatively easy to make the jump that, okay, it's wet, of course it's embedded. Again, keep going back to the ball bouncing, and nothing seems more interesting in a podcast than talking about these asinine rules of golf. But in this particular situation, you have to look at the facts. Had that official on the ground known that, I'm guessing he would have come to a different conclusion because it was very, I mean, very Patrick, straightforward. I mean, Patrick Reed was clearly fishing for that answer. When he walked up to his golf ball and saw where it was sitting, presumably – when he's asking that volunteer and his playing partners, hey, did you see it bounce? He knew the answer that he wanted to receive. The answer that he wanted to receive is, I did not see it bounce. Because that would lead to his belief deep down that this ball must have embedded. And, and, I'm, and I'm with you. I think this was a, an eye-opening experience, especially when you consider that now gambling is going to be at the forefront of the PGA Tour business. And, you know, you can bet on, on not just win odds and, and win bets but also top tens and head-to-heads and over-unders and just an assort take it easy we all know you're of, not good at gambling, gambling. But yeah take it yes easy. but yes but the, i think the point remains is that it's it's going to be big business for the tour and they need to start taking these um rules and fractions i'm not saying more seriously 
but they need to use every means available to them to make the right decision in real time. Right? I think I think that's the point. If you have evidence to support a claim one way or the other, then you have to use it as quickly as possible because there are significant ramifications now tied to the action in, in real time. Of course. And, and I think that's it. There's a, these are two stories right here. This is the reputation of Patrick Reed and what he's brought about upon himself and the way the public views Patrick Reed. That's one story. The other story is how the PGA Tour decides or decides not to use video in these situations. And I don't think anyone, and again, piecing my way through this on Sunday, the maze, as a policy, the PGA Tour does not like to talk, does not talk about how they use video when it comes to the rulemaking. Not sure why, wasn't given a very good reason, but they just don't want to talk about it. I get their perspective that if you look at what video review has done in other sports, golf's already slow enough, man. We don't need to slow it down any, anymore. So I certainly get where that's coming from. However, in a situation like this, and Ken, again, Ken Tackett, a very good rules official, on the PGA Tour, Tour's dime last week, even though he was working in the CBS booth, I feel like that was an opportunity to do something in real time that you don't see in golf very often. And, and that's informing the officials and the players and everyone else on the ground exactly what happened via what happened on video. And I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity. And I think it's something you're absolutely right. They're going to have to take a look at. All right. So I want to go back to, to one of your other points and that this is also a story about Patrick Reed's reputation, uh, his questionable history with rules brushings and, and kind of what this means for him going forward. And you took Rex a little bit of heat, on Saturday night, because you were one of the few people who I'm not saying you were defending Patrick Reed, but you wrote that he did nothing wrong in the rough on the 10th hole. And I know you're not big on Twitter and that's understandable for someone your age, but you got absolutely destroyed in some circles. I want to go. Why did you, why did you write that take? And then we can, we can discuss it further. First off, don't at me anymore. I, I understand you disagree with me. Like, it got to the point where I get it. Like, you can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. They don't, I don't feel like this should have been personal. I feel like I was just making a point. And, they, and said, you, they said that Rex Hoggard was carrying the tour's water for them. If yeah. you know anything about my podcast partner, that, is, that, that statement cannot be further from the truth. We've, we've worked together for nearly a decade now. I've followed your work long before that. If there's any criticism of you, it is not that you're too buddy-buddy with tour officials and wanting to stick up for the tour. Let's, let, let that be, let, just let that be known right now. Which led to a more interesting conversation on Sunday as I'm trying to pick my way through this puzzle at the PGA Tour and video review. And the official keeps throwing it back in my face that apparently I'm carrying water for you. Well, no, that's not it. I need to find out what's happening here. So it's a very good point, and I will say this. I, that is not a lane I ever want to go down. Defending Patrick Reed, trying to be that guy that says Patrick Reed has it right and everyone has it wrong. I don't want to go down that lane. That's not a hill I have any interest in walking up on and dying on. That's not what I wanted to do. What this is about is the rules of golf, and according to the rules of golf, he didn't do anything wrong. Now, we can go round and round. About- technically, he did not break a rule. That is, that is, a, that is an indisputable fact. Thank you. And, and that's what I, I like to deal in 99% of the time is just facts. And I simply go back to what happened with Roy McIlroy. Rory didn't even call in an official to get a ruling because you don't do that. What's interesting over the next 24 hours is how many players and caddies reached out to me and Todd Lewis, our other reporter on the ground, and said, look, he didn't do anything wrong. According to the rules of golf, if you base it on what happens on the PGA Tour on a week-by-week basis, he didn't do anything wrong. However, there were unwritten rules 
that he violated and people clearly unwritten didn't rules spirit of the rules gray area i it's I not even spirit of the rules. i hate this this terminology in golf he it's, violated it's the spirit, spirit of the rule, his ethics and his character and his integrity. I hate those phrases. And that's the only thing that we've heard over the past 48 hours is that he, while he didn't break a rule, technically he violated the spirit of the rules. Is that something that you actually believe that he did? I believe that fellow players believe he did because, and here's where things get sideways. And again, this cannot be more exciting to talk about. I'm, I'm sure that this is going to be our, our best rated podcast of all time talking about guys taking drops out of the rough where most people seem to have gotten sideways is when Patrick declares it embedded calls for an official before the official arrives, he reaches down, picks up the ball and then places it back down in another spot that drove people nuts. That was like setting off a frenzy among tour players because in their mind, if you truly believe it's embedded and you want to get a ruling, you pick it up, you identify your ball and then you place it right back into whatever the the indented earth is at that particular time that's where guys got sideways now they don't talk about it publicly and honestly you came from a baseball background you covered mlb straight out of college you know how these things are handled in the mlb you get thrown at in the mlb they pull you in the clubhouse and they talk to you about it i don't think that's going to happen in this situation so my point of the column that that twitter seemed to absolutely hate is he did nothing wrong according to the rules of golf and even though he seemed to break these one of these unwritten rules no one wants to talk about it. So what's the use? Like, hey, you guys can be indignant all you want. The other players in the field, the ones that they should be the most concerned about withholding the dignity of the game, they said nothing. Outside of Xander Shoffley, who made kind of a veiled and Lan- reference. Lanto, and Lanto Griffin, who said and it Lanto, kind of pissed, yeah. pissed us off. Yeah, outside of those two guys, no one really said anything. And I'll, I'll go back to Rory McIlroy when he walked off the golf course on Saturday. Keep in mind, we did not know that he had done the exact same thing on the 18th green. After he gets done with his scrum, he's walking out, and we run the scenario by him. And he kind of puts his hands in the air. And sounds like he didn't do anything wrong. He, because you don't know. It's called virtual certainty. It's one of those nerdy golf rules of golf terms. But it's the rules everybody plays by. If this was anyone else, and I was vindicated to some degree on Sunday when the video of Rory's ball bouncing in the rough surfaced, and exact same situation, exact same scenario, he didn't violate any rules, but there was nowhere near the pushback on Twitter, on social media. And that shouldn't be the driving force here. But in the society we live in right now, people looked at that and thought, Rory is an honorable man. He is an honorable man. He didn't do anything wrong. I want to be clear here that, that Patrick Reed did a lot of things right in this scenario. He announced to his playing partners that he was going to market and check. He asked the volunteer, did you see it bounce? He called in a rules official. Those are all good things. I, I, I agree with you that his biggest error was marking the ball and putting that ball then six feet away while he then poked and prodded the area before the rules official got there. Just because you want to appear above reproach, that is not something that you would do. Now, only Patrick Reed knows for sure what he was doing in there. Maybe he was doing nothing malicious at all. We, we don't know that. And so when the PGA Tour rules official came over, Brad Fable, and he, he came over there and he felt the lip, that's, that's all there is to it. it. It was his determination that the ball had embedded and he was entitled to a free relief. That, to me, is the only thing that Patrick Reed did wrong in that scenario was pick the ball up and move it away as opposed to waiting for the rules official there to do it. I'm not saying he cheated because I'm, I'm not even sure that he did cheat. And I don't 
necessarily think that he did. It's just the appearance of doing something that is is unfortunate. And I'm I totally agree with you. It's a reputational thing at this point. Patrick Reed has a history dating back to college when he went to Georgia, uh, even in junior golf, uh, Georgia at Augusta State. I mean, this is these are issues that have dogged him now for 10 to 15 years. And Rory, we all remember the PGA situation last year. We had a drop in the rough. It got stepped on. and He ended up replacing the ball. And he said, no, no, that lie is too good. That doesn't simulate the lie that I had before. And, you know, everyone kind gave of himself a worse lie. Stood, stood, stood up and, and applauded and said, this is this is how you honor the game. Um, those two players situations could not be handled any differently. And that's, that's all based on reputation, which is unfortunate Rex, because the rules of golf, that's not how they work. Each is a singular episode that needs to be examined without bias, without prejudice, without context of, Oh, this is a guy who's, who's had some rules incidents in the past. That's not how this works. You need to look at the individual incident and what happened to determine was a player at fault and did he cheat in this instant technically Patrick Reed did not break the rules it's that simple and and those who disagree I would just argue this that it, you're absolutely right the rules of golf even though they're complicated and convoluted and, and, and way way too stuffy I mean let's let's face it we could still simplify these things but there is a black and there's a white to it that either you did this or you didn't do this and xyz is going to happen what the rules of golf don't allow for is to find out what's in a man's heart. And in this particular case, that's what the world was upset about because everyone felt like they knew in their heart of hearts that that ball was not embedded and that he was just looking for a, a better situation. Hey, that would be my son. Is that, is that Patrick Reed calling? No, it's uh, not. Um, in this particular situation, everyone seemed to know 100% certainty that he had done something wrong. But there's we no don't know way that only Patrick there's Reed no way that. for the rules official to know that there's no way for his playing partners to know that and golf can't get involved in that. And, and here's your, here's the situation. And you brought it up perfectly that when it comes down to uh, these individual players and Sunday was a perfect dichotomy of that, that Patrick Reed was sticking to the company line. I did nothing wrong. The rules official absolved me. It was textbook moving forward. When Roy McElroy was shown the video, of what happened on Saturday, and he realized that it was the exact same situation, he was devastated. He was gutted. Because as you pointed out, this is not a man that likes to, to even get anywhere near tickling on the edges of the rules. He is the guy that, as you just pointed out at last year's PGA, took a worse lie because he wouldn't have felt right taking what was due him under the rules of golf. And you could see, he, you could hear it in his voice. He was upset. It bothered him. He wasn't happy. And that's the difference here. You don't want to get into a court of public opinion but when it comes to these two particular rulings, you can look at those two players and you can make a decision, right or wrong, people are going to do that. So I want to get to something else, and that was kind of the, the reaction on the ground. And we've, we've all covered regular PGA Tour events now without fans. We've been doing this for, oh, let's see, about seven months now, and it's, and it's getting a little tiresome. But I did think that the reaction, at least from an on-air presentation, was different in the fact that Jim Nance didn't have any grand proclamation like he typically does when a player holds out, especially a, a player of, of Reed's stature. It's his ninth win on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's, he's one of a select number of players who has, you know, kind of reached that, reached that barrier over the last couple of years. Yet there was no grand pronunciation. There was no grand pro proclamation from Jim Nance. Uh, there seemed to be muted applause, if any. And then I was struck by 
the post round uh, news conference over Zoom in which eight of the 12 questions afterward were about the ruling. And so I was first. Did you think you were first? Congratulations. Did you think in your mind that this was that this was a hollow victory for for Patrick Reed now is ninth on the PGA Tour? I, yeah, I think from those from the outside looking in, absolutely, it's a hollow victory because all they're going to do, you're not going to remember. I mean, if you, you look at how good his short game was coming down the stretch, I mean, I really wanted to write something just about this guy's short game is absolutely magical, but no one would have cared based on what, what happened and what people wanted would, to hear you about. Would have gotten, you would have gotten even more destroyed on Sunday night had you written that com than you did on Sunday night. I know. I it destroyed by our own editor, by the way. Not not even the the, the folks on Twitter who are just mean anyways to stop adding me. Uh, but it, it was just a magical performance by him. And also keep in mind, he just went through a recent swing change with David Ledbetter. There's a lot of elements to this story. No one cared. It was all about this. And hollow is, is a great way of saying it. I uh, Some other people brought up how Nance made the final call and it seemed to be a little subdued for what it probably should have been in that situation. And I, I was actually in the airport last night with some fellow journalists and some folks from the tour and we got to talking and he's short now based on resume, but there's going to come a time in probably the very soon future where we're going to have to have a conversation about Patrick Reed getting into the hall of fame. And that is unlike the rules of God. He's 30. He's oh yeah, he's 30, but let's face it. Nine victories in one major. Now he's starting to get to that benchmark. Couple WGCs, some playoff events. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to have the resume for it, but let's don't kid ourselves. Like he's not going to stop winning and stop doing things. Now he's only more, more angry. Now he's just going to put the black hat on practice harder and want to prove everyone wrong rules of golf. They don't get into personalities. It's black and white getting into the hall of fame. That's going to be a a fun debate someday. That's a committee vote. Uh, Keep in mind, just like it is on the uh, baseball hall of fame, which is why uh, certain players have not been inducted, though they have, shadier past than uh patrick reed's allegations of cheating i'm i'm curious where you think we can go from here i i think when you examine patrick reed the player uh he's only getting better as you mentioned he's he's deep in the throes of a swing change with david ledbetter um he's he's finally addressing his long game which has never been a strength he's never been a, a preeminent ball striker on the pj tour he's gotten by mostly with determination and grit and guts and and a, a sublime putter and a, a brilliant short game uh, it was good to see him finally make strides to be a little bit more of a complete player and, and take some of the strain off of his short game. But I, I think big picture, I mean, we still don't have fans on the PJ tour. We're not going to have fans until probably at least, um, at least March when we get to the Florida swing here. We have fans this Our, week. Yeah, but Patrick Reed's in playing in Saudi Arabia. And so he's not going to be facing any fans until he gets to the Florida swing. Okay. Are, are fans further polarized by by this player? I mean, has everyone just kind of dug in their corner, Whether if you're a Patrick Reed defender, if you're a Patrick Reed hater, can he continue to, to, to thrive off of the, the negative energy he's feeling? Where do, you, where do you think it goes from here? I think it depends on what fans we're talking about. And this is, you know, you go to Yankee Stadium, you're going to get booed. Everyone knows that. So fans are different depending on where you go. If we go to a tournament in New York, U.S. Open in New York, he's going to hear it. He's going to hear it at a Ryder Cup. There, he would have heard it this week in Scottsdale. I mean, if there was a, a full complement of fans and he was fresh off this, can you imagine him stepping to to that 16th tee? I mean, how raucous it would be and how he would just be destroyed. That certainly helped yesterday. 
it certainly helped in the situation where at Torrey Pines, there were no fans. He could go about his business in the cocoon. However, I said Sunday morning on Golf Central when we were talking about this, he feeds on negative energy. I mean, he feeds on energy, period. But if you look at his play in the Ryder Cup, he plays just as well overseas as he plays at home. So I'm not quite sure if that's going to be the thing that hurts him. Because I think in some way, in his mind, he likes being the underdog. He likes being what, the guy. What about that, the what about the chemistry issues? I mean, you just had Xander Shoffley basically call out Patrick Lanto Griffin's not going to play on the Ryder Cup team this year, so it's not it's it's kind of a moot point. But 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 he's had issues with with Brooks in the past. I I mean I think Patrick Jordan Reed is probably had issues with yeah, Jordan. Jordan. That's the big one. He, look, he's I think Patrick Reed is a historically unpopular player. But he's also a top 10 player in the world who, in all likelihood, is going to be on an American Ryder Cup team at Whistling Straits. Are these fences that can be mended? Or do you just kind of hold your nose and, and, and put up with the stench for, for a week for the, for the greater good of the, of the red, white, and blue and trying to win back the cup? You put up with the stench. And, and since you're on the subject, he moved up to number six. He's one of the automatic qualifiers right now. He moved up five points. So, Steve Stricker, good luck with that. This is this is happening. Get get used to it. Get ready for it. And do whatever it is you have to do to make sure that that team is put together in, in the kind of way that if you have to hide them, you can. Because but I don't. He, but I don't think – but, like, Patrick Reed, he, he knows he's unpopular with his peers. And, and I don't think he is particularly bothered by that. But – you know, once a year, once a year, it does matter that your peers do not like you. Like, no, I it, disagree. It matters. I, I disagree. That's the misnomer. Everyone seems to think the Europeans get along and it's, it's, they're sitting around in circles when they're not in these matches and hugging and, and singing songs together. That's not the case. I have heard horror stories from that team room during Ryder Cups that they have won where players are screaming at each other and wives are crying and caddies are threatening to quit. It, everyone seems to think that you have to all get along in this. Has I want to I wanna read that story. I do too. Yeah, that, that's going to be a tough one to write. But th that is not the case at all. Trust me. I mean, one of the ones we can talk about, Sergio Garcia and Padraig Harrington never got along. And yet somehow they were able to sustain each other and be part of the same team room that was very, very successful. Now, that said, which Steve Stricker probably not want this particular situation. I'll go back to Royal Melbourne a few years ago at the President's Cup. And I mean, the United States rolled to victory. And yet somehow Patrick Reed still came out. And according to one member of that team room, was it cancer? So, no, you don't want him in there. But if it's going to be a reality, you've got to figure out how to make this work. Well, how do you make it work? Because in at Royal Melbourne, they saddled him with with Webb Simpson, who, who I think they went 0-3 uh, in partner play. And yeah, Ketzel Crane, Patrick Reed's caddy, had an incident with a fan. Uh, and then, of course, Reed came back on Sunday in, in Sunday singles uh, he he beat CT Pan pretty thoroughly and kind of sparked the American rally on the final day to to win back the cup when it looked like they were in serious danger of, of losing for the first time in an eternity. And so it, how do you I mean, does Steve Stricker have to call some kind of team meeting now to to get all the feelings out in the open? Do you just kind of ignore it until you have to address it? I mean, what if you're if you're Stricker, what do you do here? You're not. You're, no, you're not calling a team meeting again. This isn't therapy lab and they're not getting together and talking these things out can you imagine trying to sit down brooks kepka and patrick reed and, and throw bryson dechambeau in there and telling those three to just talk it out can you imagine what a nightmare that would be no that's not going to happen what, what's going to happen i bet you i bet you xander i bet you xander heard from uh pj tour headquarters today 
Uh, he might have. Uh, the, the one thing that he said, and I don't think he said anything wrong or untrue. The one thing that he said that might get him that fine from Jay Monahan, though, is the, the tour. Protected by the tour. Protected by the tour. And that one's going to be. And look, I, I don't again, I don't know that I particularly disagree with him. I don't because, I don't I don't disagree with him. Xander. First of all, Xander's an underrated quote. Uh, he always, always spits truth, which is much appreciated. Uh, for those of us who carry notebooks, absolutely. And and I'll say this uh, about the situation. I, I just don't think it, it's, it's going to come to a head simply because Steve Stricker is going to have whoever this year's Webb Simpson is going to be. And it's probably going to end up being Webb Simpson. And Webb Simpson is too much of a team player. And he's going to do whatever his captain asks him to, to be upset and to go out. Now, that being said, no. no Bryson, they're Bryson not going to pair him and Brooks Bryson, together. Bryson and Patrick Reed are playing together. Book it. Great. Book okay. it. Okay. Uh, book it really book it absolutely really? book it they are they're a perfect maybe they are the perfect compliment uh they could be or they it could be a disaster either way you get them out you get them out of the way i mean you're not going to put him in a situation get him out of the way bryson DeChambeau and patrick reed are two of the best players in the world but we're talking about team chemistry. To your point, that you're going to have to try the, to find the best pairing for him. However, you're not going to get in a situation where you're just going to pair Patrick Reed with three players over the course of a week trying to see who fits. That's not going to happen because that is going to be detrimental to the team. I bet you if Steve Stricker asked Bryson, do you want to play with Patrick, or, or maybe less to the point, would you like to play, or even will you play, I think it would be. I think his answer would be a resounding yes. I think Bryson would obviously like to play with Tiger again. Uh, I think we, you and I are both skeptical that Tiger can can play his either play his way out of the team and be a top six qualifier, or even play well enough to deserve a, a captain's pick from his from his buddy Strix. And so, absence of those two scenarios, I think you've got Bryson and Patrick Reed in the same pod. Send them out together. Probably not playing all four team matches. But I think right, this was fun, but I, I think that's like a way. Talk, I think I think I think that I think that's a way to early. I think that's a way to get him in. Uh, yeah, I, this is interesting, but Pod Talk is probably six months too early on this one. I will point out that Tiger dropped a forty sixth in the world, so there's he virtually he no way playing, he ain't playing that concession. I'm not even sure he's going to be ready anyway. Uh, that is a good uh, segue though, Rex, uh, because beginning Thursday, uh, we don't want our listeners to miss the premiere of NBC Sports Edge Betcast. It's a whole new way to watch golf. Get a better view with insights and analysis, plus live odds powered by PointsBet. Get inside the action at PeacockTV.com slash golf. Rex, there's plenty of golf being played across the globe this week. DJ and Bryson, we just spoke of him, are in the field this week in Saudi Arabia. Webb Simpson, the defending champion of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, where for the first time we're going to have at least, I don't know if you can call it significant, but you're going to have multiple thousand fans on site at a PJ tour event. You're going to have upwards of 5,000 fans a day at TPC Scottsdale. What are you most looking forward to this week? The floor is yours. Uh, fans. And then Rory, 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 and Rory. I, I think him going to this golf course, he's never played Scottsdale. It's wide open the way he drove the golf ball. In spurts, I mean, he, he had his moments on Torrey Pine South. Everyone is going to have their moments on Torrey Pine South. But there were a couple of moments when he looked like that guy who just could drive through the eye of a needle at Kiowa when he ran away at the PGA Championship. I think this golf course could be fun for him. And if he could rebound, like I said, Sunday was a hard day for him. He did not want to be just on that like side. It was a, just like it was a hard day Sunday at uh, 
in Abu Dhabi the week prior. Oh, and I wasn't even talking competitively. I mean, I, I truly believe, I'm not tr- overstating this, that him getting caught up in you know, the rules conversation and finding out that his ball indeed bounced on Saturday in the rough. That didn't affect eight. his play in the final round. It didn't affect his play. It affected him afterwards, though. It, it's, it's going to be, he's going to have to take a minute before he's right. But I just think his game is to the point that I'm not sure if he wins, but it's going to be entertaining watching him play that golf course. And having fans back, this is first significant fans since last year at the Players' Championship and everything shut down. So both those things, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. As usual, uh, as the lone Bryson defender on this podcast, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, He finished in a tie for seventh at Kapalua and his only start of 2021. Curious to see what kind of tweaks uh, he made to his game in the past couple weeks. Of course, he did not uh, wedge it particularly well or putt particularly well. Uh, on those enormous greens at Kapalua. DJ, of course, is also in the field. And I want to see how Justin Thomas plays this week. He had a missed cut in his uh, most recent start when he went across the pond and played in Abu Dhabi. Uh, obviously, the, the controversy over his homophobic slur was still swirling at that time. Sponsors are dropping him. Sponsors are not dropping him. He's entering himself in training programs. And so uh, I'm curious to see if he has moved past that, kind of what his plan is moving forward he's still a third rate player in the world who i think is going to be the player of the year eventually uh for the 2020 2021 season all right we got a lot to look forward to this week uh thanks for listening and we will see you and hear from you next week Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.